Welcome to Cut the Fluff, a space where we drop the small talk, peel back the curtains, and truly delve into what it is that makes us tick and what's keeping us up at night. You can expect honest, raw, and very vulnerable conversations. What's your story? What's your sign? It's like we're twin flames in a different life. Deep connection lights a spark. It's like you know me in the depths of my heart. We're dreamers. Welcome to another episode of Cut the Fluff. In today's episode, Annika and I will be discussing the difference between good old gossip and curiosity, particularly when you're looking at making new friends and just wanting to. I guess, conduct a bit of a background check on a certain individual. We also discussed the false illusion that your partner can be absolutely everything to you. That's your hiking buddy, your yoga buddy, your tarot card buddy, your cook, your psychologist, etc. And how important it is to have an identity outside of your relationship. We hope you find today's episode useful. And as always, if you enjoy it, hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend that you think might find it useful. Welcome back to episode number nine. I think maybe we're officially into season two. Yeah. I feel we end here and then move into season two after this one. So better be a bloody banger and keep people hanging on. All right. (laughs) So I think I want to open this one with a question that has been on my mind the last couple days concerning the idea of the fine line between gossiping which i sort of interpret as talking about people behind their back getting into their business and generally a bit gross Mm -hmm. um, versus like a natural curiosity to understand people and their behavior and just kind of get what people's story is and so I guess in a sense talking about people behind their back to other people but only in a way that is trying to understand them a bit more versus like gossiping and and bitching and saying bad things behind their back but I think the line is really blurred and I'm a bit confused about um, when does it cross over from you're just being curious and you're just trying to understand your new surroundings or yeah a whole new social scene and then it steps into like gross territory of like gossiper and we're back at high school. Mm. What do you think? Oh, it's a tough one. And I, as you said, I do feel it's a bit of a blurred line. But for me personally, when I am asking about others, it's normally coming from a space of curiosity, very similar to yourself. And I think I've, it's almost like, you know, when you have a resume yes. <laughs> and you're just checking references, <laughs> like in a non a like background check, yeah, a little background check, because I think I've spent so much of my time, oh, just sifting through like, you know, particular f- friendship groups or, you know, people that you want to either collaborate with or whichever, whichever platonic or, um, or in a kind of romantic sense, you you want a bit of a resume and it's not from a, oh, what is she doing and, and gossiping about their life? It's more so, hey, I'm going to start investing my energy into this individual. Are there any red flags that you've kind of sensed that maybe I haven't picked up on? And then that kind of fills in a more informed 
choice around whether to proceed with that friendship or the relationship or whatever it may be. Because I think word of mouth at the end of the day is still the greatest um, source of information. And yeah, I think, I think uh, when you come from it, from that perspective, I perceive it, I don't indulge in the whole, oh, what is she up to? Has she cheated? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and perpetuating that kind of talk about negativity. But I think there's merit in doing a background check and just coming from a place of curiosity. Yeah, totally. It's a little bit like a Yelp review before you go to a restaurant. You're totally going to check out what people think. Um, And I like this phrase, I think, I never know who said the phrases. You're the one that always follows up with like, so-and-so said this, but talk about ideas, not people. And I've always sort of had that in the back of my mind of like, yes, when you're coming into a conversation or an interaction, I want it to be about like, talking about stuff you can control and stuff that is more empowering and uplifting and um, creative than that, that gossipy minutiae of like, oh, she's sleeping with this person and oh my God, they're cheating on each other and da 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 It makes you second guess. Like when you're in that environment with someone who's like that, you're like, if you're talking about them like that, what the hell are you saying about me? And that's what always comes to my mind. I'm like, um, that's not the type of people that I want to be relaying information to opening up to, because at the end of the day, if you're talking to me about it in this manner, who the hell are you, you know, what are you saying about me? Totally. I think that's the narrative going through all of our heads when someone goes, Hey, don't tell anyone this, but, and there's just like a natural, it's alluring, right? When someone says that to you, like, I'm like, yes. I'm not going to tell a soul. I love a secret. I think as humans, we just naturally love a thriller and a, and a like, ooh, go on. Um, so there's that on the one side, but the other side, you're, you're like, fuck, are you telling people my secrets? And like, can I really confide in you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a gray area, but I don't know. What's in the back of your mind when you're, if if you're ever like, Annie, don't tell anyone this, but what's going through your mind? Because you probably are also filtering for like, Annika's probably thinking, can she trust me with her information? Because um, there are and those times it when It needs to be a bit of give and take, doesn't it? Like in order to keep the relationship balanced of like providing information and also disclosing information. Well, like- yeah, and that's part of like the vulnerability game too. Like I'll show you a piece of me. If you show me a piece of you, mm. it builds that connection. So I think it has to come from a place of authenticity and just knowing when it, maybe if it's harming someone else that's not in the room. And I think maybe it's mum that's given me that advice. Like if that person, could you say that to that person if they were in the room? If they overheard the conversation, would you be okay with that? And would they be okay with that? I think that's a good place to come from too when you are talking about other people that aren't there. It's like, yeah, would I be okay saying this in front of them? Yeah. And would they be okay with that? Is this coming from a genuine place of like uh, concern about the other individual and wanting to disclose this so that when you have future interactions with them, maybe you can have that in the back of your mind, for example, that they're going through this. So if they do, you know, 
behave in a certain way or whatever it is. It just kind of, you're informed. And I do agree with that. It's, it does, it's an interesting space. And I do agree with that factor of, would I be comfortable of saying this to the person face? And if it was to be disclosed, would I be okay with standing and being like, Hey, you know what? I did disclose that about you, but I did it for these reasons. Yeah. Well, and to that point, that is you describing your experience. And so if you were like, this was the situation, this is what happened, like no one can argue with your experience of what happened, that, that happened to you. And, and through your lens, that was very true for you. And so I think that can't be disputed versus like putting opinions and thoughts in other people's, like misconstruing where they were coming from. All you can do is say, this thing happened. I'm weirded out by it. What does it mean? What's your experience been of this? And invite a conversation versus like just throwing someone under the bus. That's, yeah. And talking about like, this is how I'm feeling. This is my, the way I perceived it. It's not necessarily the way that actually things actually panned out because realistically we're all looking through, you know, taking in this world through different lenses, but it's the truth for you, but it, it might not actually be what the other person was intending. So I think there's, talking about how you experienced it is often also a good way to go about it. I think so. And maybe this spills over into like more intimate relationships because like we live in a world with people and we are in relationship with people. And so we can't not, not talk about people. Mm -hmm. We can't not, not talk about what our interactions and experiences have been. And so like with intimate relationships, um, that's always been a helpful tip Joao and I have taken on of like, it is totally your call to flag something and say, when this happened, when we went to that dinner party and you said X, that made me feel blah, 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 blah. And the other person is not allowed to go, no, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Mm. Ma- it didn't make you feel like that. That didn't happen. Because the minute you say that didn't happen and you negate it, it automatically creates a block, right? Like you don't know what happened in my head for me. And it gets the other person to shut off. It's almost considered gaslighting once you do, you know, uh, what's the word? You don't recognize or you kind of shut down another person's experience. They would classify that as gaslighting as well. Yeah. So anyway, glad we unpacked that. Obviously it's top of mind for me because I am wrestling with that. And we've talked about my experience moving to Byron and having forming new adult relationships and just naturally being curious about where people are at and what they're about, but not wanting that to cross over into that person that, you know, talks behind your back. Is a gossip queen. Yeah. I I would really like to unpack this whole communication with the partner aspect. And I think one thing that's been for front, front of mind for me personally is this idea that I feel like we're fooling ourselves into believing that that person, the person you've chosen to be in a relationship with, if you are in a relationship, uh, that they are meant to tick every single box and be everything to you. You know, the psychologist, the hiking buddy, the yoga buddy, the meditation, buddy, whatever it is that you've kind of chosen. But I feel like we're fooling ourselves into believing that that is actually the way that it's meant to be. And what are your thoughts around that? Do you feel that partners should play a particular role and that should be determined and 
it should be spoken about clearly around what expectations are or do you believe we're kind of fooling ourselves into believing that they should be ticking every single box and you know be the psychologist the hiking buddy (laughs) the cook oh look I think we're all delusional about the roles that like the multiple roles our partner is supposed to play and especially the last 18 months when we've been cooped up together and wanting them to be all of those things it's so unfair and even to have that placed on you that you have to be a million different things for your partner it's really overwhelming so in my head in theory I'm like no they should just be your your lover and your I mean I want my lover to be my best friend and the day that they're not then that's going to be another conversation but like that that has to be there for me but yeah like Shuao's just not going to come and do yoga with me and he's not going to sit there and do tarot cards and um he's not like he fooled me at the start of our relationship that he was um all those things but I actually have come to terms with the idea that like there are there are special roles that your friends and even just colleagues and strangers should play. I think it's healthy. Mm. Uh, and trying to absolve him of having to be all those things. But I do hold him to an impeccable, like I'm a bit of a bitch about like our standard for communication and how you're showing up in the relationship is really important. And if you cross that line and aren't like, we always say in our relationship, you take care of you for me and I'll take care of me for you. Oh, I love that. I think it was Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh, that said that to Piglet. (laughs) And I was like, yes, that's what I want my relationship to be. Like, I will take fucking good care of me and my mental health and I will make sure I fill my cup with my girlfriends and what lights me up and then I can come to the relationship like full for you and I totally expect you to do that for me and when you're not I will have a lot to say about it I will let you know I will be very vocal <laughs> about it I was laughing about the tarot because um, it was in the nicest way possible he's like babe I'm just not into that hippy dippy stuff like you do you boo but I just <laughs> I don't need to be part of that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You don't need to be part of that. (laughs) And I just outsourcing, outsourcing aspects. Like you're my hippy dippy buddy. I'm that girl. I'm here for you for that. (laughs) And just, yeah, learning to outsource aspects of a wholesome relationship, being okay with the fact that that one person isn't going to tick absolutely every single box like the fairy tales have sold us. And I think a lot of us get caught up in that false narrative very quickly. Yeah. I'm going to reference a friend and already my mind is like, is that gossip or is that natural curiosity? And I, and I'm, I'm going to categorize it as natural curiosity without naming her because I think it showcases that other people feel this too. And, and we were talking about this the other day that in the past, she's had a frustration that her partner hasn't been all those things like what we described and then letting go of the expectation of like, hey, he's just not as social as I am. Like, 
I love going to a barbecue on the weekend with 50 people and like working the crowd and, and I get really energized by that. He, on the other hand, would like rather take a nap and maybe like stay at home and watch the kids. Mm. And she's like, I used to feel a bit, you know, upset about that, that we should show up as, I think maybe as like a partnership and like we should want the same things. But now she's like, totally come to terms with it. That's just not how he gets his energy. And we're a better couple for it if like yeah he goes and does him I'll go do me and then we'll come together and have a great time when we are together yeah and honoring each other's way that you operate because Armin and I are very much he's I'm the extrovert he's the introvert and we do operate and recharge in different ways and I've had to honor that I'm also a very social being so very early on in our relationship I'd be going breakfast with my family every week and I'd be dragging him along until I kind of took it personally. I was like, why, why don't you want to, you know, why am I sensing a bit of um, uh, resistance? Thank you in this area. And why I'm, when I go out, for example, on a weekend for a stroll to the markets, I'm a dawdler. I love taking in things, you know, and slowing down. Whereas he's kind of on a time schedule and this resistance I was just it was kind of building up and I was like what is it and he's like Danny you need to realize and another thing actually this is worth indicating is that he works nine to five and I work majority of my time is spent alone at home and I work you know remotely or I'm on a modeling um, job and so he's spent all of his time around people and then by the time he gets home I'm just like because I haven't spoken to anyone. And so there's that dynamic playing out. And so when weekends do come around, he views them as like the opportunity to recharge. And so that doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't recharge through the same ways of, you know, going and seeing family and going to the market and dawdling and watching, you know, the street busker. I remember I was watching the street busker one time. He's like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, why are you crushing me? Why? But... I think, yeah, just noticing that we are fueled by very different things and that that dynamic of even our work life um, balance and how that plays out is a little different between us two. So we've had to navigate that by ensuring that we do have spaces which we commit to, such as date nights. We used to have this thing called Anything Can Happen Tuesday, which was really I fun. I remember you telling me that. <laughs> Tell the audience what that, what that is. Um, so anything can happen Tuesday was every fortnight, Armin and I would take turns and we would have a budget. I think our budget was $50 back in the day, $50. And you ultimately plan a date night or activity. And the other person doesn't find out what the activity is until they actually show up. So we did painting, salsa dancing. We did a, um, what are they called? The trap rooms where you have to figure out escape rooms escape rooms we did that uh we had a picnic in the park with some really nice dinner like just little things and it was really exciting from the perspective of one you never knew what you were in for as the person that wasn't planning it that week and it just we were committing time to the relationship and to ourselves and I think that's really really important um to keep that going Well, yeah, because I was going to ask, so it's cool if you acknowledge that you both get your energy from different um, arenas, 
Yeah. But then what is the common space where is there a little give and take? Like if you don't want to be out there socializing and talking, but your partner like craves that, where's the midpoint where you can meet in the middle and go, this is our shared space and I'm going to, I'm going to do that thing that I don't, I wouldn't naturally choose to do, but because I love you and I want to invest in the relationship, I'm going to do it. So what do you think the middle ground is? I think the middle ground is our values and where they truly align. And I think being very vocal about, and I'm going to use the terminology of the tickets again, but this means a lot to me ticket of like, hey, Ami, I really value my family and I really value time with my family and I understand you won't be there at every Saturday or Sunday, but I would really like you to, and it's compromise as well, um, I'd really like you to, to be there, you know, once a month. Is that okay with you? Because I really want to foster that relationship as a whole. Um, and it, just kind of providing them with insight of why it's so important to you as well and having those open discussions around, okay, so I understand that, uh, for example, Amit is DJing at nightclubs and sometimes they run really early into the morning, like 3am sometimes is set time. So we even have to navigate that. I'm not someone that necessarily likes to stay up that late. So I'll be like, okay, I'll come to this one because I really want to support you. I want to be there for you. But um, this is kind of my cutoff and, you know, I'll either, let's say, drive there and then leave as soon as the set's done or whatever it is, but just communicating around, hey, this is really important for me. I'd really like you to be there. And then running from that space. Does that mm-hmm. provide a... Yeah, that sounds very adult. And like, <laughs> Are you able to provide an insight into Joelle and you? And like when you don't necessarily uh, agree on something, how you work through a very similar scenario, like are you both are fueled by the same things or do you have a bit of space where you've noticed that you're fueled by different things and how you go about ensuring that the the connection remains, you know, there's a, alive. And if there's anyone that said that it doesn't require work, I think. Fucking liars. They're bloody liars. I don't know. <laughs> Reach out to me. Share <laughs> um, yeah, your secrets. Yeah. Um, the thing about us is that we came together over a shared interest in meditation. So we met randomly in a nondescript town in Arizona. It's called Carefree at a meditation retreat. I like to say he man- I manifested him, <laughs> popped out of thin air and I wasn't looking for him and he wasn't looking for me, which I think is the best space to meet someone because, you know, you don't have any of that neediness energy which I had sort of had over the last three years before that in New York there's like a oh a desperation to meet a man and the the odds are not in your favor if you're a woman wanting to date a man it's like for every young hot male there's like 10 hot beautiful women banging on the door so wow but anyway we digress but so I met Joelle on the back of like fuck that energy in New York. I'm going back to Australia. I'm going to meet a nice man there, but I'm going to be chill about it. And like, well, and I was just doing this meditation retreat for me. 
Yeah, it's true what they say. The minute you let go of like needing something, it comes to you. Anyway, so we met in that shared space of like really being quite intrigued by the mystical and, you know, the world of the quantum field. And so I just found that really hot. I was like, we nerded out when we met and we were like, oh my God, and this about the fifth dimension. I'm like, this about manifesting. And it it was really refreshing to meet a grown ass man who could like have that level of conversation, was into it. And so I, and I think he did too. We thought that no, actually, I think he thought he was going to get in my pants, but I thought, oh, this is <laughs> like, I'm such a nerd. Like, we can continue this. Maybe we'll work together. And so it definitely wasn't love at first sight, but it was like a meeting of the minds. So anyway, cut to like five years later, two kids and engaged and not <laughs> married. <laughs> We're doing it backwards. Maybe there's more overlap in terms of like what we both love. And so our challenge has been different expressions of that. I think it can be quite suffocating for us if we're both consuming that kind of knowledge and in that realm too much. It's too Mm -hmm. much, like we need the space, like I'm gonna go over here and pursue that knowledge and like have my own experiences and, and, and he needs to go do that in like with his men and like shamans and in his his own masculine expression of it i think the challenges are when we're too much we become like one amorphous being and it's like oh i can't see myself through this and i can't see you and it's it's cloudy and uh, and we got a lot out of watching esther perel one of her ted talks she's i mean she's incredible about talking about the concept before of like making your partner be all things like She's like, no, that was what the village was for. You had people that played different roles and this new, in this culture we live in now, we expect them to be everything. But we really took away from her talk the idea that to have lasting attraction and, and love requires this, the space. And it's like this dance of, I'm gonna pull myself away so that I can remember who I am as an individual and what lights me up. And also you can see me in my space or my zone of genius and like my full expression. And that's attractive to you because ultimately that's what attracted us to each other in the first place of like mm-hmm. seeing them in their whole light and, and wanting that. But when, it, when you're so close to each other, it's like, oh, I can't remember. And it's not attractive. No, um, I totally get what you mean because yeah. I see, I see Amit because I saw um, it for the very first time in his music realm. And I know what you talk about, that essence of seeing them in their moment of their power. And like, I'll see him streaming or I'll see him up on stage. I'm like, oh, like that's, you know, just kind of like really sexy and like draws me in to him. I love him either way, but it's just like, it adds that little bit of like, oh, I see him and his like power and getting out there and, and doing something that is, or only part of his identity, not part of us. Yeah, it's critical. So that's probably, we have taken that on in our relationship. And so, yeah, when times are challenging and we're like, oh, I'm sick about you, I need space. It's like, oh, it's because we haven't consciously like pulled away and done our own things. And so right now, Joao is overseas and he's been away for a couple months, struggling to get back, but he's coming home in two weeks and it's like, wow, I'm ready for you to come home because mm. 
I've done my thing and now we can I've like, had my space <laughs> yeah. and then two weeks later I'll be like okay off you go and so it's just a dance I think rather than getting upset about like why do I hate you sometimes it's not that I hate you it's like I've forgotten who I am and I can't see the wood for the trees and just on the Esther Perel thing she said that that pulling away that separation creates the desire so that yeah you're so sexy you're so attractive and that's what's required in the beginning to to spark the interaction but when you come together that creates the safety and which is like such a polarity right like attraction and desire but also wanting safety and to feel like they're not going to abandon us and we can be our full selves so she's like odd that you want both things in a relationship very different qualities and so to to allow that to play out you have to have that dance pulling back and forth kind of like putty (laughs) that's why we all liked the uh the bad boys out there well I had I had a stint of the bad boy arena where they just very very mischievous and providing mixed messages and you never knew where you stood with them but it was just so alluring at the time All desire, no safety with those bad boys. Yep. <laughs> and I think, you know what? That TV show, I'll give them that, Sex Life. I don't know if you watched it, the Netflix series. Yes. They, I feel like they they really managed to capture that of like, I think his name was Nick, the bad boy, was able to offer that kind of thrill, whereas um, the husband was offering the safety and the children yeah. and that kind of dynamic and polarity between the two. Oh my gosh, yeah, and that is such a cultural myth, I think, that's perpetuated that you you have to have one or the other. But, and, and people are repulsed by the idea of the safe guy, but what if you were able to inject moments of more desire into what is already a safe relationship and, and spice it up and, and find that time apart? But I see a lot of women, and I was caught in this too, in the New York trap, I chose terrible I made terrible choices but the terrible that is another season <laughs> yeah I know I feel like that's just a whole whole season of itself <laughs> I wish I could go back and tell my like 28 year old self uh it's not boring to choose a nice guy you can still have the thrill and the throwdown yep. <laughs> and the sexual attraction with a nice guy there are ways Give yourself a bit of a backhander. I'm right there with your sister. (laughs) Well, more to explore next time, but I think we're up for a short, sharp 30-minute time slot. So should we end it there? Is there any final I have a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Is it pronounced Roosevelt? Yes. Uh, Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events and small minds discuss people. There you are coming through with the quotes. <laughs> and with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, if you liked it, give it a thumbs up, share it with a friend that you think might find it useful. And we'll see you in our next season. Yes. Yeah, I can't season believe we're two. saying that. Whew. All right. Bye, folks. Okay.